Coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. It turns out that there's this protein leverage phenomenon where humans basically eat until they get enough protein. So protein gives you way higher satiety per calorie. And then the obesity epidemic is mostly from protein dilution. We have all these refined carbs and refined fats, sugar and oil, mostly. You dump a bunch of sugar and oil into your food supply and it dilutes the hell out of protein. So now everyone's eating like a 12.5% protein diet instead of, you know, 33% like hunter-gatherers. So the, the whole point of the PE diet is to prioritize protein much, much, much higher at the expense of lowering carbs and fats, especially refined carbs and refined fats that dilute protein really bad. And it's just looking at your whole diet from this protein versus non-protein energy lens. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week is a rebroadcast of an interview I did back in December with Dr. Ted Naiman. I thought it was so relevant with so many great topics around protein energy, how to avoid junk food, best way to work out in a short period of time, and the role of protein in diet, exercise, and losing weight. I really enjoyed my interview with Dr. Ted. This is one of my most downloaded episodes. So enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. All right, welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. And second time around, I got Dr. Ted Naiman. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. The, the podcast must be really slow that you're having me back on again. Well, <laughs> no, to hear that. <laughs> not at all. I'm glad to have you back on. I think you were the most downloaded uh, episode I've had in my year. Wow. I've been podcasting. I just had my 100th anniversary. And congratulations. So, thank you. Yeah. So it goes fast. Um, but yeah, well, I'm definitely uh, uh, excited to have you back on and uh, just talk shop and figure we can get into. Um, you know, a little bit of some of the stuff that we talked about last time, obviously, I know, uh, you know, with PE diet and everything like that. And uh, you mentioned you're doing some work with diet doctor, what type of uh, what type of uh, collaborations are you doing with them? Got it. Yeah. So diet doctor is doing some very cool stuff right now. They're working on an app. That's <clears throat> super awesome. And they're also just trying to uh, uh, branch out a little bit more in the uh, direction I'm going in, which is satiety per calorie. So looking at things like uh, higher protein, lower energy density, it's not <clears throat> just quite so like unipolar, unifocal, um, carbs are bad <clears throat> type thing. You know what I mean? It's a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more, um, uh, you know, uh, basically just looking at more than just carbohydrate content. Gotcha. Um, and maybe so people, obviously you came on my podcast, uh, God, it's been almost maybe a year, maybe give people a little bit of a background. I know you're a health professional in what state are you in? I'm in Washington. I'm in the Seattle area. Seattle area. Okay. And how long have you been practicing for them? Uh, I got out of residency 21 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like as old as dirt. Uh, yeah. yeah. We didn't have electricity and stuff like that. Wow. The way you youngsters do. <laughs> Um, all right. And then, uh, so you've had your own, is it, is it, are you by yourself, your own practice? Or are you with someone else or? Oh, no, I'm in a huge multi-specialty organization with 400 something doctors. Oh, wow. It's one of the larger, um, major hospital based multi-specialty groups in downtown Seattle. 
And so I'm just part of their primary care department and I'm just punching a clock basically for a really big hospital system. And I, and I work in a satellite with uh, dozens of doctors and lots of specialists and that kind of thing. Okay. And I'm just curious. So 20 years of practice, what, what has changed in your mind and what type of things are you starting to see with a lot of your patients and stuff? Yeah. I mean, when I first started out, uh, honestly, what we were taught is that uh, most of your chronic diseases, like your obesity, your type two diabetes, and your um, autoimmune diseases, and all these things are just genetic, right? So, like, if both your parents are overweight, you're going to be overweight. If both your parents are diabetic, mm. you're going to be diabetic. If you know everyone had autoimmune disease, you're going to have autoimmune disease. And now, what I've realized is that genetics kind of loads the gun, but your environment completely pulls the trigger. And uh, even if, uh, you know, every relative you've got is obese and diabetic and has some sort of chronic degenerative disease, you can completely avoid that um, if you can change your environment. Now, if you have yeah. the genetics for diabetes and obesity and you're in the same environment, and by environment, I basically mean food environment, mm. as your relatives who have obesity and diabetes, you're going to get it too. But you can change your environment, um, and it's mostly food choice that we're talking about and exercise choice and you can avoid all of that like that's still bad genetics but you can it does not have to happen to you so um that's been the big revelation for me in 20 years is that mm -hmm. even if you have bad genetics you can overcome that and sidestep a lot of the stuff that runs in your family just with diet and exercise and that's just you know that's my huge focus that's my major message yeah because you know a lot of times you see that like people are just a product of their environment. And it, I think it's sort of sad in the sense that you'll see a, you know, a kid who's 10, 12 years old and he's obese. And then you're like, well, you see his parents and same thing. And it's like, well, he didn't have much of a choice in that matter. You know, as you get older, you can move out, you can, you know, do your own thing, but you know, you sort of feel bad for these kids that are just getting obese earlier and earlier. Are you seeing that with families and stuff? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a complete nightmare. Uh, you know, childhood diabetes doubled during the pandemic and we're just uh, every uh, age category obesity continues to just accelerate upward. It has not hit any kind of inflection point. Um, it's still just steadily climbing with no end in sight for, for all ages. And uh, it's growing really fast in the you know, child and adolescent um, age range. So it's just, uh, some scary stuff and like, we're, it's just getting worse and worse. It's, uh, kind of snowballing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with the pandemic, people went one way or the other, almost like there's some people who really took it as a, as a way to get in shape. And, and part of it was too just cooking for themselves, right. <laughs> that can go, a, you know, a long way. And then other people, uh, unfortunately went the, went the other way and, uh, you know, just ate worse and, put on weight. Yeah. The majority of people got worse. So the average adult American gained 13 pounds and, um, <clears throat> uh, mm. most of our clients just really did gain weight, uh, more diabetic, uh, more cardiometabolic, uh, dysfunction. Uh, but then, like you said, there's a few outliers here like, Oh, wow, I'm just yeah. gonna, you know, do something different. Now that I'm at home all day long, I'm just gonna work out 
and make my own food. Right. And some people, you know, just arose like a phoenix from the ashes, ripped and jacked. <laughs> like it's a very small percentage, but you can absolutely do that. And it really just comes down to diet and exercise. It's the only difference between the people who got better and the people who got worse. Yeah. And the reason I said that I saw actually a few of my friends, I could tell like they, they, they lost weight. They looked much better and they were cooking for themselves. And, you know, if you're going out to eat all the time, it's not, a, that's not a good recipe for trying to um, lose weight. Yeah. I mean, it just automatically makes it harder. Although it can be done. There are people yeah. out there who eat out all the time <laughs> and it, they're just choosing the healthiest thing on the menu. Every time they're getting the salad, they're putting extra lean protein on top of it. They're drinking a non-caloric beverage and you could actually go, I can go to any fast food restaurant on earth or any restaurant and come out with something healthy. Like it, it, it's, you absolutely can do that, but most people don't, they just order whatever sounds the tastiest to them. Um, right. And that's uh, the food choice is everything. And most people are choosing foods that sound tasty and that's just, I, I do. And I do agree. I think the only downside to, even if you pick something that maybe you might, you know, let's just say it depends what they're cooking in too. Right. Uh, that can obviously play a role if, you know, obviously I would imagine 95% of restaurants cook in vegetable oil. It's the cheapest and easiest way to do it. Right. 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 I, I actually, I always tell my clients, uh, to ask for butter, <laughs> ask if they could cook it in butter. And it's an, it's an easy request. And you'd imagine most restaurants have, they might have not, not have grass fed butter, but they, I would imagine they have butter. Yeah. I mean, they probably do, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe not. I mean, every once in a while you go to a restaurant where they look at you like, what's, you that? know, they don't have like, <laughs> like, you know, you order some coffee and they just bring you the little cream, the artificial creamer and you know, they don't have half enough anywhere in that place or anything like that. Yeah. So maybe not. Um, yeah, on that note, let's talk a little bit about, I, it was interesting. I was, uh, looking at that, your, um, protein energy calculator, um, which I think is pretty cool on your, on your website. I think the website's well, it goes to a separate website, proteinpercent.com. If you want to check out this, this calculator, but it's cool. You can also search by foods and see sort of the, the macro, uh, counts of those foods and then how much energy, um, maybe just to give people a little bit of background of, of, you know, what your theme is regarding, you know, protein and energy and, and, um, you know, so just people have, have a better idea of what that is. Right. Absolutely. Right. So we've got the three basic macronutrients, protein, um, carbs and fats. <clears throat> and as it turns out, uh, carbs and fats are really similar. They're just chains of carbons with high energy bonds. And it's really just solar energy stored by plants as these carbon chains, these high energy carbon chains. And protein's completely different. It's uh, centered around a nitrogen molecule, which plants have to absorb nitrogen and mineral form from the soil. And protein is used structurally in your body. So <clears throat> you use protein for a lot of the structure and the function in your body, and you don't really burn a lot of it for energy. And then you're just constantly burning carbs or fats uh, for energy by breaking apart the carbons off the chains in your mitochondria. And that's how we get all our energy to survive. So, um, you can kind of look at your diet in a protein versus non-protein energy lens where it's like protein versus carbs and fats and carbs and fats are super interchangeable where, uh, humans can live on a, you know, 0% carb diet. No problem. You can live on a 10% fat diet. No problem. 
um, a lot of seesaw action there. It's protein that's more crucial. And it turns out that there's this protein leverage phenomenon where humans basically eat until they get enough protein. So protein gives you way higher satiety per calorie. And then the obesity epidemic is mostly from protein dilution. We have all these refined carbs and refined fats, sugar and oil, mostly. You dump a bunch of sugar and oil into your food supply and it dilutes the hell out of protein. So now everyone's eating like a 12 and a half percent protein diet instead of, you know, 33% like hunter gatherers. So the, the whole point of the PE diet is to prioritize protein much, much, much higher at the expense of lowering carbs and fats, especially refined carbs and refined fats that dilute protein really bad. And it's just looking at your whole diet from this protein versus non-protein energy lens. And then, like you said, if you go to the proteinpercent.com, uh, you can just see a really nice graphical uh, snapshot of foods that are high in protein versus any energy and foods that are low. Of course, the lowest is sugar and oil. And the highest would be, you know, egg whites or uh, white fish or something that's, you know, mostly protein. And uh, it's just a really good way of like thinking about your diet. You know, here's where you're at on this protein to energy ratio or protein percentage. And if you just tweak that up a little bit, you'd literally have higher satiety with a lower caloric intake. You automatically eat less and you, your body weight just goes down. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the graphics. And uh, my question would be, like, for example, egg whites, um, high protein to, well, how, how would you, I guess my thought is like, you want to have some fat too, right? If you want right. to, right. So like, if you're just having egg whites all day, that's probably not the healthiest thing you want to do. Um, you want to have the yolk. What are your thoughts around that? So how do you balance that out? Absolutely. So everything in life is on this U-shaped curve, Right. Protein percent is on a U-shaped curve, where if you're really low on protein percent, you're going to massively overeat non-protein calories to get enough protein, not be hungry. You know, if you're eating French fries, which are potatoes and oil, they're 6% protein. You have to eat like 50 pounds of French fries to get enough protein to not be hungry. So you want to raise that protein percent and you're, you're trying to find the top of the U-shaped curve. If you go too high, like egg whites are all the way around the U-shaped curve on the other side. You try to eat 100% protein, just egg whites. You're basically going to be out of your mind, starving at yeah. all times, and you'll just basically die of energy starvation. So you're trying to find the sweet spot right in the center, you know, and, um, you know, the worldwide uh, hunter-gatherer macronutrient estimate is right at about 33% protein, which is an amazing sweet spot. Like uh, we have studies showing that if you can get protein to 30% of your calories, you're going to cure every pre-diabetic out there. And this is basically because you just can't overeat these foods. You're just full. You're done. You're done eating. You know what I mean? Um, so, so the goal isn't to go all the way to hundred percent protein, which is completely unsustainable and horrible. And you can't just eat egg whites and you're going to like hate life and then die right afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you, you want to find out where you're at on that you and most people are at 12 and a half percent and then dial it up. So you're at the top, right? It's not going to be all egg whites. It's going to be, uh, two eggs and two egg whites. It's going to be some turkey bacon instead of regular bacon. It's going to be cooking with just a little bit of butter instead of like a whole stick of butter. Um, it's going to be eating, you know, carbs from like salad instead of carbs from like 
pretzels and chips. You know what I mean? It's going to be uh, sort of low carb and low fat and prioritizing protein to get yourself at this like sweet spot. This kind of center of the of you got it okay yeah that explains it because i'm looking at this graph and i'm like all the way at the top you see whey protein and egg whites i'm thinking well that can probably be good in some situations but like you said it's it's finding that balance right um, and, and if you're looking at proteinpercent.com you kind of want to be at that 45 degree angle that 1.0 yeah. okay. uh, pe ratio that's kind of your goal um, you can go much more extreme for very short periods of time. If you're trying to do like a protein sparing modified fast and lose fat really fast, that's not a good idea because fat, uh, rapid fat loss is, is never quite as good. You're always going to lose a little more lean mass. It's always going to be a little bit less, uh, easy to sustain it afterwards. You want you do want to eat, uh, in such a way that you enjoy your food, you're gradually losing weight. Most of what you're losing is pure fat and you're going to keep it off and sustain it. So you just want to find out where you're at and then go up a little bit. And you also want to do progressive overload, just like, just like lifting weights. You know, you, you wouldn't just take a total noob and put like 500 pounds on the bar and have them bench that, right? You find out what they can bench and then you add, you know, five pound plate on each side or some sort of microloading, and you're doing the same thing with the protein energy ratio of your diet. Okay, here's where you're at, eating like cornflakes and bacon, right? <laughs> and you're just going to raise that up a little bit by eating oatmeal and turkey bacon. And then maybe you're going to go even a little bit higher with, um, you know, some egg whites and some uh, whey powder or something like that, you know, but uh, you're not going to go straight to 100%. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm looking, I'm like, God, I'm like, I have ribeye and steak and eggs quite a bit. <laughs> and that's probably about a good sweet spot to be at. That's a super good sweet spot. Like yeah. uh, my very favorite, like maintenance zone would just be, you know, steak and eggs as 30% protein. Uh, that's great. But then if you're trying to lose weight, you know, maybe you eat a leaner steak, like some sirloin, maybe you eat two eggs and two egg whites. Uh, maybe you cook it all in a little bit less butter. Uh, maybe you throw in some green vegetables, which have a super high protein energy ratio. And you're doing all these little tweaks, more protein, more fiber, less net carbs, less fat. And you're just slightly improving these ratios. And then you're just going to automatically eat less calories. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. The couple of nights ago, we had like uh, turkey tacos and, and I don't have a lot of ground turkey and like it was good, but, but I'm like, God, this just doesn't fill me up like a ribeye <laughs> fills, mm -hmm. me, fills me up. I felt like I need to, and, and that would be the thing is like, if you're always having lean, like I, that's actually a lot of clients of mine, they're like, they, I, I listen to what they're eating on a daily basis and they're doing chicken with salad and then turkey with salad. I'm like, well, maybe try adding in a little bit of fats there, maybe adding some avocado because wouldn't you agree if you're just having, like we mentioned before, but if you're just having chicken with salad, that might not be optimal. Yeah. I mean, that might be too high and then you're yeah. hungry later. So absolutely. You might need a little bit more carbs, a little bit more fat. Um, and again, you, you might want to just incrementally go up from where you were before. Um, <clears throat> so it's not, all, it's not about getting hundred percent protein. It's about like going slightly North and higher than last time to coach, uh, uh, to quote coach Greg Duzette, you know, <laughs> so you want to be yeah, like harder than last time, but you don't want to go to hundred percent because, um, that's not sustainable and you're not going to like your food. And like you said, so some people might need to throw in a, an avocado or something. And, and for me, when you're adding carbs and fats, you, 
you kind of want to get the lowest energy density carbs and fats you can. Like an avocado is amazing, right? Uh, hundred grams of avocado is only 10 or 15 grams of fat. But if you pour it in oil, hundred grams of oil is hundred grams of fat. So you're getting like, you know, five times more calories for the same weight and volume. You're just not gonna get the same satiety per calorie. The avocado is gonna beat the oil all day long. Um, same thing with uh, carbs. You want your low energy density carbs. You know, you want your berries where, you know, hundred grams of berries is five or 10 grams of carbs instead of sugar where hundred grams of sugar is hundred grams of carbs. And it's way, 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 you know, 10 times more calories. So it's, uh, so I love adding in carbs and fats if you have an unsustainably high protein percent, but then getting the lowest energy density carbon fats you can. So you get to eat more weight and volume for less calories and you're just automatically fuller at a lower caloric intake. So it's, it's kind of a two phase thing, um, cranking up the protein percent and then also reducing the energy density of your carbs and your fats. You're not protein energy, uh, which is kind of one of the things I'm working on now. Um, if you look at proteinpercent.com, this is sort of my original uh, concept for the PE diet. Now I'm working on more of a satiety per calorie uh, mindset. And in fact, if you go to satietypercalorie.com or satietyscore.com, you can see my new calculator, which has protein percent on the y-axis, energy density on the x-axis. And you can kind of see, oh, hey, avocado is way better for satiety than oil, even right. though they're both fat. Because with the avocado, you get to eat, you know, five times more weight and volume and water and fiber and micronutrients and all this stuff versus oil, which is just literally just calories. Oh, so we got a new calculator. <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Yeah. Satietyscore.com. Satietyscore.com. I will. Um, what about thoughts on over, is it, is it tough to overconsume uh, protein? You, you basically can't do it. Like okay. you, you literally cannot eat quote unquote too much protein. Uh, no one can do that. You physically can't do it. It's basically a, can't happen. And, and what are your thoughts around, you know, like, um, stimulating mTOR and, um, and then like, as far as like balancing that out, maybe with some fasting and things like that. Right. 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 So you, uh, you have to have animal, uh, some, some anabolism, some catabolism, you have right. to stimulate mTOR and then not stimulate mTOR. You have to be eating and fasting. All these things have to cycle. Um, if you just said, I'm never going to stimulate mTOR, you'd die, right? You you'll absolutely die. So you, it has to be a balance. It has to be a yin yang, um, protein stimulates mTOR. Sure. And, and carbs do too, right? And, and fat does too. Anything right. you eat is going to stimulate mTOR. That's uh, all anabolic. Um, and then fasting or exercise or anything that's hypocaloric is going to be the opposite. And you do want to balance those. And, and it, it kind of comes down to calories in, calories out um, in a way. Uh, so, but what happens is if your calories are mostly protein, you're going to be prioritizing your lean mass over your fat mass. If your calories are just carbs and fats, you're going to be prioritizing your fat mass over your lean mass. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to balance, uh, uh, anabolism and catabolism, and also the best body composition, you really want to focus on protein and then worrying that protein stimulates mTOR is kind of, a uh, not helpful because what really stimulates mTOR is being 
uh, over fat 24 hours a day and having chronically high insulin levels. So anyone who's over fat is just going to have way too many, way too much energy in their bloodstream at all times. The free fatty acids, the triglycerides, the glucose, it's all way higher in your circulation because it has no place to go. So over fatness is the very, very worst for, um, you know, this sort of mTOR stimulation that everyone's afraid of. Uh, that's what hyperinsulinemia is. It's just pure over fatness. You're basically over fat. Uh, you filled your fat cells. Fat has no place to go in your circulation. That's why your triglycerides are always high. Your free fatty acids are always high. And your insulin's high because it's just trying to clear the fuels out of your bloodstream. And that is going to massively increase your risk for cancer and heart attacks and cardiovascular events and every chronic degenerative disease you can think of. And so the very, very worst thing of all is just pure overfatness. And, and honestly, over the past 20 years of my career, I used to think, oh, wow, people got diabetic because they ate too many carbs or, you know, it was some specific element of their diet. Uh, now I realize it's really just being over fat, full stop, period. Like every bad thing you can think of, all of your metabolic syndrome is just pure over fatness. And that gives you your high blood pressure and your high triglycerides and your prediabetes and then your diabetes and every um, autoimmune disease that's associated with hyperinsulinemia and all your cancer risks and cardiometabolic diseases that are associated with high insulin are really just all... 100% downstream of over fatness, like literally overfilling your fat cells and having no good place to put fat. And so, you know, people who are super thin and all their fat cells are only half full and they have tons of room to store fat, you know, even in the subcutaneous layer, they, uh, they never have high triglycerides because they can eat a bunch of food and their fat cells just suck it right out of their bloodstream. So all their fuels are really low. Their insulin's really low all the time because there's no extra fuels in their bloodstream, their blood sugar, their triglycerides, their um, free fatty acids, everything's really, really low. Their cancer risk goes way down. Their cardiovascular risk go way down. Um, and it's literally about just being fatter or thinner, period. And so the whole goal um, for body composition, for health, is to basically get more lean mass and less fat mass and the way you get thinner is to eat foods with higher satiety per calorie. And the way you get more lean mass and less fat mass is to prioritize protein over non-protein energy. And these all kind of dovetail together. You know, you eat a higher protein diet, you're going to uh, get a better lean mass to fat mass ratio. And then if you work on satiety per calorie with a higher protein, higher fiber, higher water, lower carbs, lower fat, you're basically going to automatically stop eating at a lower caloric intake. You're going to be thinner and all these numbers go down and all your risks go down. And it's so the, the longer I do this, the more it just morphs into this one big picture where you're just trying to be thinner and basically have recomp, higher lean mass, lower fat mass. Yeah, nicely said. And what would we say, you know, you talk about individuals being a, can be somewhat of a product of their environment. Um, obviously it comes down to that person making choices on a day-to-day -day basis, but we see that a lot, that if you're hanging out with people who have these certain habits, you're going to have those habits as well. Um, I mean, it could be as something as, you know, you have a patient, maybe just getting them to, to be around healthier individuals. And I mean, that can go a long way as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. This is ter a terrible thing to say, and this is not going to be popular and I'm going to get canceled <laughs> for saying it. 
Um, but obesity is literally contagious. Like it's yeah. literally oh. contagious. Um, and it's because humans kind of follow these herd mentalities and these group mentalities. And if you're in a household where everyone's just super overweight and they're basically just ordering Uber Eats all day long and they just eat, you know, just pizza and donuts and uh, chocolate chip frappuccinos and they never exercise and they literally just glue to the couch all day. You're going to be more likely to be that way, whether you want to or not, whether you realize it or not, it's just going to happen. That's human nature. That's totally kind of normal, kind of natural. Mm -hmm. And um, so you've got two options. Option one, and this is the easy one, is to try to surround yourself with people who are all way healthier than you. You know what I mean? I want everybody around me to be just completely ripped and jacked. They're like, um, they've got their digital scale weighing out their skinless chicken breast and they're like basically either doing cardio or lifting weights all day long. Like it, I I'm going to be like, Oh, wow. I gotta go do some cardio. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, so the, the hard one is to just be the example for everyone else. You're like, you know what? Yeah, everyone else is just watching TV and eating pizza, but I'm actually going to, you know, get on the Peloton and do an hour of hard cardio. And then I'm going to eat like a salad with a piece of fish on top of it. And you could actually kind of drag people towards you, but that's a real uphill battle. It's really, really hard. Um, it, it's so it's brutal, you know, but, uh, but that's, uh, that's what more people need to do. And uh, it's not easy. Yeah. You know, I coach uh, high school kids in golf and, and uh, the seniors are all leaving. And I always think about, you know, what would be some good advice to tell those seniors that I said, you know, when, going into college, make sure you surround yourself with the right types of people, people who, you know, obviously have good morals, but, you know, maybe are working out and are healthy because that's just going to lead to you doing those things as well. And, you know, obviously in, in society, we could all use, you know, surround ourselves with better people. It, it'll make, every, you know, the whole world better in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, if you can't surround yourself with better people and if you can't try to be the better person for them, which is, yeah, that's a, uh... That's a tough right. one. And, and mm -hmm. part of it is cleaning out the, 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 the pantry. <laughs> I mean, I have people who come to me and they're like, well, you know, I snacked on this last time. I'm like, well, how did it get there? <laughs> you know, like, you know, I think the a simple, easy thing to do is clean out your, your pantry of <clears throat> all the things that we, you know, you're talking about the, the, the sugars, the flowers, the oils um, that are causing you to go. Cause we, we all find fault. I mean, myself included, you know, we'll, we'll host a couple of people over for, for like dessert and, you know, you will get stuff that I probably don't want to have on a daily basis. And we'll always have like leftovers, whatever, let's just say it's cookies. And I'm like, just, I just told my wife, just get that out of the house <laughs> after they're done, like give it to someone. Uh, because if it's in the house, I mean, as good as I am, and you know, I'm sure you as well, Dr. Ted, like you sometimes fall, fall victim to that stuff. And if it's in the house, you're, you're more prone to having it. Absolutely. Like, that's just the way humans are wired. Like, if yeah. there's some super tasty food right in front of you, you are definitely going to eat it. And it's so it, it does really start with food procurement and like buying food. Like, that's how that food got there. And that does make it really, really hard for the one person in the household who's trying to do better when right. nobody else is, because that food's just around you all the time. And that's really, really hard. Um, there there's basically always some kind of junk food in my house <laughs> and what i try to do who's buying is, is your what is i you try buy? To, oh yeah i buy some of it 
um, you know, my family, like, uh, you know, everybody's pretty freaking healthy in our household, but there's always some sort of junk food around for sure. And uh, what I try to do is, is front load a bunch of healthy stuff. (laughs) So then I just eat a little bit of it. You know what I mean? Like if if I've gone out of my way to eat my, um, you know, my, uh, wild salmon and my wild salmon (laughs) and my salad and like all this stuff. Okay. Then I can just eat like one donut or one cookie or whatever. And that's, that's pretty much how I'm running it. It's about 90% clean and right. then 10 just pure garbage where i literally do eat donuts and <laughs> cookies well and see I, i'm good that we're talking about it's good that we're talking about this because i do think that if you know you listen to podcasts or you listen to stuff like it you don't want to see it's it's not about being perfect you know oh yeah hell no <laughs> yeah no i'm definitely eating junk but um i but i just try to crowd it out by right. front loading the the better stuff and then i can get by with eating a lot less of it and that's just like a, just a hack, which I think is a helpful in real life, you know, cause there's always going to be crap food around for sure. I like, you, I walk into work and it's like a, just a <laughs> minefield of like bagels and muffins and crackers. Yeah. And, well, cause yeah, people you know. bring everything they don't want from the house probably to feed everyone yeah. else. Yeah. The break room at work is just like a, just a junk food nightmare. Basically everyone just offloads all their crap from home there. Yeah. Right. Well, and also, you know, I, I, what I never understood is like, you know, you, you go to some of these hospitals and the vending machines are so bad. It's like, why don't we get some healthy, like l- at least better options for vending mm-hmm. machines in, in a lot of these facilities? <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. So part of the part of it, all of this is just not having it in the house. And like you said, I think that's a good hack is front load everything that's healthy. It's like you go out to dinner you don't want to just grab for that piece of bread. I always tell them, I always tell my clients, tell them not even to bring the bread. Um, Mm -hmm. You want to front load with, you know, better nutritious, you know, lower glycemic foods that aren't going to like spike your blood sugar and insulin levels. Right. Yeah. And we have a lot of studies that, that actually uh, uh, point to what you can do on a practical level. So there are these protein preload studies where if you eat protein, And then you go to a buffet two hours later, you're literally going to eat way less calories. Um, If you um, eat a super low energy density food, like if you start your meal with a soup or a salad, you will literally eat less calories. And this Mm. is evidence-based and we have studies proving this. And so anytime you can front load with uh, high protein food or low energy density food, uh, soup, salad, uh, pro- protein shake, something like that. Um, if you're going to go out to an event where there's just tons of junk food or a buffet or something, if you, you know, uh, preload with like a protein shake or a salad or something like that, you are going to literally eat less calories and it definitely works. And that's a really practical, uh, hack. Yeah. It's like, never go to the store with an empty stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the worst. Yeah. It's just like donuts and <laughs> chips, uh, which is honestly one of the problems I have with extended fasting um, because people just get so hungry. They refeed on like a whole jar of peanut butter as mm-hmm. some sort of low protein food. That's the way we're wired. You get really hungry. You just eat the highest energy density thing you can find. Um, and so I have people like, uh, losing and then gaining and losing gain the same five pounds forever with, uh, if they're trying to drive most of their health with a fasting approach. And so, you know. Yes, I, I, I do agree. Although I will say that once you get acclimated to fasting and been doing it for, let's just say years, I actually find that 
I get less hungry a lot of times, you know, if I, if I do, if I'm, as I'm fasting. Um, but yes, if you're just starting out fasting, I do agree. I mean, uh, you're, th- you, you know, the thought is that you're going to gorge if you do like a longer fast, but I always tell people to sort of ease your way into it, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. And you'll just, your body will be more acclimated, obviously using ketones <clears throat> and things like that for energy. Absolutely. And then the fasting is also on this U-shaped curve and you're trying to find the sweet spot and fasting is also something you want to just incrementally progress rather than just like, boom, not going to eat for a week. So yeah, like sure. you're absolutely right. Totally agree. Any, uh, any thoughts on raw milk? I actually, uh, I was curious just to ask you because, uh, my wife and I went this weekend to the farm. It's like an hour away and there was a line out the door for this raw milk and they only have a certain amount every morning. And we just got we were like the last two people to get, to get, uh, the raw milk. And I've been having it over the last years. And I'm telling you, I'm, you know, I was never a big dairy person or milk person, but I mean, once you have this, it's like, I, I wouldn't go anywhere else. Is, do you have any thoughts around that? Have you ever tried it? Oh, wow. Okay. So honestly, I've never had it. I never sought it out. I would probably have to go out of my way to get some. And I just don't know if it's magical enough for me to want to go to that trouble. I'm also just old fashioned enough as a doctor to think that pasteurization is a pretty good idea Mm because I've seen people uh, just get deathly ill with, you know, Campylobacter and Salmonella and Shigella and E. coli, all these nasty, horrific bacterial infections and uh, especially like infants or young people who have lower uh, stomach acid and pH and they're getting these weird, you know, botulism and stuff. And so I'm old fashioned enough to think, Oh, Hey, maybe pasteurization is Mm -hmm. good from a public health point of view. And so I really haven't branched out into the raw milk zone because I'm not sure if the uh, risk to benefit ratio, like if it was like the, the elixir of the gods, like a nectar of health that just, had some really objective thing that made me way healthier. I might seek it out, but like at at this point in my life, um, you know, I'm 50 and I've never had it. So I'm probably okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. I had a try it. I've been, I keep reading about it and hearing about it here and there. Uh, I think, I think the thing is if you get it from a, a no, a, a good source, obviously there's risks for anything, right? I mean, I could have sushi tomorrow and get some type of, um, you know, some type of salmonella or whatever, but, Mm -hmm. um, either way, I just was curious. Um, why don't we change notes and touch a little bit about routine and micro workouts is something I know you're big into. How are your workouts looking these days? I know we were talking last time, a lot of body weight stuff. I know that's in the book doing body weight workouts. Um, yeah. What are you up to as far as workouts? Yeah, still, still the same thing. Um, you know, most of the book is just uh, trying to solve the exercise equation for the shortest time investment, right? Like cranking right. up the intensity so you don't need as much time. Since time and intensity are kind of on this seesaw. So the book was like, okay, max out the intensity and then you can just work out for a couple of minutes. And okay. I'm still kind of like in that realm. I'm basically doing body weight resistance, uh, just, you know, one set a day, um, really high intensity, just kind of maxing out on push, pull legs. And, um, <clears throat> that's, Hey, if uh, it works, I don't, <laughs> if it works, yeah, stick with I, it. Right. You know, right. I don't spend a lot of time on resistance exercise. Um, cardio, I, I do more like, you know, I try to hit walk 10,000 steps a day, but then I'm also trying to do some all out sprints for like, you know, 30 seconds or something. So uh, I'm trying to hit uh, every, um, you know, rep range on the cardio where I'm doing some low intensity, some moderate intensity, some high intensity, 
but I think the take home message in the book is that, you know, if you crank the intensity up, you can be done exercising in a really short period of time. Um, <laughs> Which I, and most I, people like, right? Yeah, I think some people like that. Yeah. yeah. No, I like it. I mean, if it works, why change it? I mean, I'm sort of the same way. I've gone to more of like 20, 30 minute workouts and just hitting it hard. And, um, and actually what I added this past uh, a few months ago was the, this rogue echo bike might be something you might like, but it's those heavy duty ones you see on CrossFit with the fans mm -hmm. and the, yeah. and let me tell you, like right now, I literally do four sets of 15 seconds all out mm -hmm. and I rest for about uh, a minute and a half between. And, you know, you try to rest to the point where you're pretty much recovered and ready to just give that same sustainable effort each time when the mm -hmm. effort starts going down, then, you know, you're not resting enough. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's killer. And I put it in my basement and I, I, uh, I talk to Brad Kearns every once in a while and he touches a lot on this stuff. So, um, I wanted a way, obviously sprinting might be ideal, but, uh, I, f I feel like, especially as you get older, you know, I'm 41, like. I don't know if I want to go out and sprint. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. not, you know, I could do it, but you know, I think just like you said, the risk reward about uh, regarding injury, I, I, you know, I want to try to keep an eye out for that. Yeah. I love those air bikes because you can just pump so much wattage into it in yeah. such a tiny amount of time. It's just, it, it's like you just max out in redline every mitochondria in your body all at once. And, um, I love that. I think that's really great. Uh, I don't have one of the, I have a concept two rower and, and I'll do like a one minute or a hundred meter nice. or some sort of super all out there, um, which is, you know, kind of the same idea, but yeah, I love, I love anything like that where you can just really pump out the highest wattage you can generate in the shortest amount of time. And I think that's, I think that's good for you. I mean, I really do think you want to hit every range on cardio. You want to do some zone two, maffetone, you know, steady state, you want to just do some walking, a right. lot of walking. Uh, but then man, you hop on your air bike and just like dump out every watt in your body as fast as you can. I think it's really good for you. And so I love that. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a great addition to my workouts. Um, what about routine? Let's touch a little bit about routine. I'm a big morning and evening routine. What type of things do you maybe help with your patients or, um, yourself as far as like your morning and evening routines? Oh man. So I, <laughs> I don't have, uh, you know, all, I have no exotic morning routine. A lot of people are like journaling and, uh, meditating sure. and thinking about that. Uh, no, like I basically just, I've got, you know, cats and dogs and uh wife and kid. And like, I'm just trying to survive. You know what I mean? I'm just <laughs> trying to get out of the house, keep everybody alive. How many kids uh, do you have? Oh, just one. Yeah. One. I, uh, uh, yeah. How I have a, teenage daughter she's 14 oh, okay got mm -hmm. it so i'm just in survival mode in the morning <laughs> i you know my first patient is at seven in the morning and i have a pretty long commute and i have to you know we're, we're like walking the dog and do all this stuff so well, i there's... have no fancy routine at all i'm just basically <laughs> like down in the trenches working hard <laughs> well and... hey go taking the dog for a walk that's hey that's a good part of the routine, right? That's true. Oh yeah. And, uh, honestly, anyone who wants to up, up their step count, go adopt a pit bull the way we did. It seems to explode your step count. Yeah. Or Pretty, a um, yeah, <laughs> definitely ups the step count, but yeah, I don't have any kind of fancy routine. 
Uh, my diet, I do a 16, eight every day. So I basically don't eat until lunchtime. Okay. I eat, you know, two meals in our window, lunch and dinner, maybe a little snack in there in between. Um, I work out every day with, uh, basically a triple set, you know, uh, well, one set to failure with some rest pause sets of some sort of pushing move, push ups, uh, dips, something like that, some sort of pulling move, pull-ups typically, and then some sort of leg move like pistol squats or um, mm. uh, that kind of thing. So I'm basically just doing a, a single really, really hard set of push-pull legs every day. And then I try to do some sort of cardio every day. Either it's just a, a 500 meters on the rowing machine or running uh, with a dog. I do this thing where um, uh, when we reach a hill, we sprint up it as fast as we can. And then oh, we walk down. So <laughs> I'm basically just sprinting uphill every chance I get. Um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like some low budget interval training. I like to do Yeah, easier uh, on the so, joints, easier on the joints when you're going uphill a little bit too. Right. Exactly. So it, it's basically daily doing little bursts of maximum output cardio and little bursts of maximum intensity, push full legs. And the, the beauty of that is they can all be interstitial at different times. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I can do a lunch break at work. I can do a set of push-ups. I can do some pistol squats. Uh, but then later when I get home, I got a pull-up bar or something. I can do a set of pulling exercise, pull-up throws, something like that. Um, and then the sprints, it's like I might do it when I'm walking the dog or I might do it on the rowing machine later or something like that. But I'm just doing these tiny little nano workouts. So it's like two minutes each, but it's as hard as I can possibly generate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just sprinkling them uh, throughout the day. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much how it goes. I don't have a, what I really don't have a lot of is free time. So <laughs> I don't have this exotic free time, uh, ritual at well, all. Well, this is good to hear. I think this is good for the people to hear, right. You know, cause I, I know you're, you, you, you know, you have books and you speak out a lot and I think it's good to hear it from you that, you know, you're busy just like them, but it, you know, it's not about making excuses. You're just finding a way to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just squeezing the diet and exercise in there interstitially. And I don't have a bunch of time to just like journal and meditate and not doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's not for everyone. I will say my wife and I have been doing meditation before bed. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's a good time to sort of separate, okay, this is what's going on during the day and with work and with, you know, kids. And then you just sort of like, you got this cutoff, maybe you do it, you know, right before bed. And even if it's just, we've been doing like 10, 15 minutes of like some guided meditations, maybe that's something you can add, but, uh, it's a great way. And it's nice to do it with, you know, a partner, um, and just sort of then, you know, go right to bed and finish the day. That sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe next time we talk, you'll try implementing a little meditation. (laughs) Um, well, this is good. I think the moral of this story of, of this interview was prioritize protein um, find ways to just put in micro workouts throughout your day, surround yourself with people who are healthier than you and get rid of everything that's bad in your pantry or 90% of it. <laughs> I was trying 90%. You can keep the 10%, right? Yeah. Or, or, or crowded out with more good stuff. Right. Exactly. Crowded out with the good stuff. If you have a few things, I'm the same way. Like I'll have a little things that are like, I don't know. I like, I've always liked peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, you know, so I'll have occasionally, but you know what? I, instead of putting it on just like a, a bad whole grain bread, I'll do it. Like they have these egg white uh, wraps 
that are really cool. And there's like, there's like nothing in them. It's like egg whites. And then I think it's just like one filler just to hold it together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'll put that on, you know, I'll put that or, I'll, you know, on, on it every once in a while. And that's like my sort of like splurge. So mm-hmm. you can sort of splurge, but you're not like, you know, I'm not like having some horrible, you know, piece of bread. That's just going to like weigh me down. Right. Right. Yeah. So I like that. You're basically just uh, substituting out some, a little bit lower carb, uh, right. gives you a little higher satiety per calorie, a little higher protein percent. That's brilliant. Yeah. I, I like it. I, it's, it oh, there's my dog. It's been, <laughs> he made it about, you know, almost 15 minutes without seeing mm-hmm. a squirrel. Um, <laughs> but on that note, um, he, he wanted us to end the interview. Right. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate you coming on again, Dr. Ted and, um, best place to check you out. Is... Oh, oh, you could just go to tednaman.com. Um, anything new I do, I'll probably throw there. Um, so <clears throat> that, yeah, that's what I would check out. Okay. Well, check them out there and uh, we'll put that in the show notes and, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast for part two. So, um, thanks so much. And, um, we'll talk down the road. All right. Great to talk to you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thanks for listening to the get lean, eat clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.